0: Hello and welcome back to The Shadow Play Gaze, a podcast about revolutionary girl Uchina. We are back after over a year, a year and a few months. We last, I believe, spoke to you on uh, May of last year, May 2022. We are September 2023, so it has been a moment. As always, I'm your host, Christine Palin, and I'm joined by my destined partner, Eric writing.
1: Wow. Destined partner, but no homo. <laughs> no
0: homo. <laughs> so unless it's if it's not obvious by the title of this episode, I don't know we're gonna what I don't know what we're gonna title it. But if it's not obvious, we're talking about Sailor Moon today, actually. We picked, so we've been wanting to do a podcast again for a while. And we're obviously gonna do the musicals at some point, but we wanna do them right. We wanna uh, like spend time. Uh, making that happen hopefully with some guests so we decided like okay that's taking a while let's just do something f- kind of fun and a little easier and derek suggested like we watch some sailor moon and so we picked a few uh ikahara era sailor moon episodes to talk about um specifically all of them are sailor uranus and sailor neptune
1: yes uh yes yeah, so i was like this yeah, so let's do something lighthearted." and so you're like okay let's talk about one of the most hotly discussed debated uh angsted over like lesbian relationships in all of media period
0: <laughs> they make me feral they make me absolutely <laughs> feral i uh We'll talk about it. I grew up watching Sailor Moon, um, but then I did a rewatch right before I watched Utena It's what prompted me to start watching Utena for the first time is I did a rewatch and kind of found this out. So the stuff we're gonna talk about about out about Sailor Uranus' and, and Neptune's role in creating um Revolutionary Girl Utena But I uh so I, I rewatched the whole series and read the manga and in 2021. And it made me absolutely feral. And I was like, I was single at the time. It was like, I was alone in COVID. And I was like, I want what they have. And then not to be like a manifestation works, but like, I feel like Nicole and I are giving uh, Uranus and Neptune a bit, like kind of, I'm butched in a similar way to that Uranus is butch. I am sporty in a similar way. And Nicole's a classical musician who's, who's more femme than me. So like, I don't know, like,
1: all, not to be like no.
0: manifestation works, but
1: it works. <laughs> but it actually, but manifest manifestation does work. Yes. Yes. So <laughs> I guess that's a good sort of segue into, I guess, me talking about my Sailor Moon experience, since obviously you are the Sailor Moon head here. I have watched all of the first season. And I watched... I want to say like, ohm, like I got to the up to the last few episodes of like, that first arc of the second season. And for whatever reason, I, I was enjoying it. I just, you know, as sometimes happens, I just like fell off and like never got back on. But I was still able to pretty easily track what was happening in these three episodes that we watched. Obviously, I'm like aware of Uranus and Neptune, which like I'm still trying to remember it's Haruka and Mihiru, right? Are there
0: Michi? Uh, yeah, Michiru. Yeah, <laughs>
1: Michiru. Yes. Okay. So it's like it's hard uh, if I call them Uranus and Neptune. Uh, hopefully, people understand what I like that I'm not trying to like. I don't know. I feel like a little bit of a fish out of water here. <laughs> so have patience with me, people. Obviously, Christine can correct me on shit that I get wrong on lore. I remember that they are like reincarnations of people from the moon or something. (laughs) Yes. All
0: of the sailor guardians and tuxedo mask all knew each other in a past life.
1: Yes. And
0: there's stuff from the future. Like it's, there's also them in the future that comes into play. That's why Chibiusa is here.
1: Yes. I was going to say, I know Chibiusa and she like was like in one scene for like five seconds and she's just, like, hanging out with her dad, right? <laughs>
0: yes, so she is Chibi Usa. I remember in, in, like, our Twitter group chat a couple of years ago, the, Chibi, the subject of Chibi Usa came up. And, uh, yes, yeah, so she is Mamoru and Usagi's daughter from the future. She's, like, hundreds of years old. Um, and, yeah, so she's in the second season and then gets sent back to the future. And then during this season comes back from the future, to hang out with the gang again, so yes, she Definitely. like we see her for a moment, but that's she has just returned from the future in that episode.
1: <laughs> got it. I mean, I remember I saw her in the intro. I was like, oh shit, or, am I going to have to like deal with Chibi Usa stuff? I mean, no, no shade to her; she seems really cute. <laughs> but like, I just that's not what I was here for. I but uh, <laughs> I feel like I got a lot of what I came here for, which is this relationship that these three episodes are clearly centered on. And I really loved all three of them. I thought they were excellent. The third one obviously ends on a cliffhanger. And it made me want to keep watching. I need to come back to Sailor Moon. Because
0: Sailor Moon S is my favorite season. It's a really, yes. this is a really great season. Um, it's totally worth watching the whole thing. The monsters of the week in this season are quite funny too. Because they're all um, like I, evil sexy ladies.
1: <laughs> I love it so much. Like I was obsessed with the shoe, body, like, oh, it was so good but yeah christine do you want to maybe tell the people why you selected these three episodes in particular because when i asked like oh for like some Ikuhara era episodes you like you, the bubble like the little bubble was there for maybe five seconds before you had like these three ready to go
0: there are obviously other episodes we could have done uh obviously there's a lot of haruka to do in the final season of sailor moon but uh, our boy was not involved in that so looking at the the ones that they're in in this season i mean the first one a handsome boy haruka Teno, that is a no-brainer because that is the episode up until this point we've only seen uh haruka and michiru uh, in their sailor forms as like we know they're involved in the main plot, they're, they're kind of bothering the sailor guardians, but this is the first time we meet them in civilian form, um, so it's a fitting episode. It's directed by Ikuhara, and I think this is just a very interesting episode in general in the way uh, Haruka is introduced, uh, and they think she's a boy, and the way that that's responded to. And then there's some Monster of the Week ones we could have looked at as well. There's a really great one where um, Sailor Jupiter, even after finding out that Haruka is a, is a girl, is still, like, really into her. And then ultimately comes to the, the realization that she just, like, really admires Haruka's, like, expression of masculinity, which is super interesting still.
1: Yeah. <laughs> sailor
0: jupiter gay as hell
1: yeah i'm not gay for her but i am gay is what i'm getting oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: and so we could have done stuff like that but i i you know there's some fun monsters of the week with them and yeah so picking the second one was a no-brainer it's you know the bond of destiny uranus's distant past written by yoshi atikido obviously an important player in the utineverse but yeah this is a great episode because we actually get backstory to uh how Haruka and got meet met and how uranus uh came to be uh, this is a major difference between the manga and the anime in that we don't get like any real backstory to these two in terms of like how this they came to awaken the Sailor Guardians and how they came to know each other. Um, so I really love that we get that in the anime. And then obviously, yes, the last one, The Death of Uranus and Neptune, written by Eri Kido, directed by Ikuhara. And I think this is the one that we see the most connections between Utena and and Sailor Moon. So yeah, there's some monsters of the week we could have thrown in there, but I think these are pretty, three pretty big heavy hitters for what we want to talk about in this episode.
1: Yeah, I, like I said before, I really enjoyed all three of these. Um, and I feel like, like you said, they each present something very different that I feel like gave me a very full picture of why people are so obsessed talking about these two, especially given the context of the um, cousinification of their relationship in the dub. Obviously, you could speak more to that as the fan. um, But I feel like that's all I really knew prior was like, oh, they were like uh, heavily implied to be like gay in the original, which like understatement of the century, I feel like there. (laughs) But then they became cousins in the dub. I don't know. Isn't there a new dub that's been done?
0: Yes, so the original dub—that's I, I think that's the Viz dub. I I might be mixing up on who did which dub, but yes, the original dub. Which one I grew up watching on Cartoon Network? Um, their names are Amara and Michelle, and they are cousins. Um, <laughs> okay. And The bond of destiny. Uranus's distant past is actually called in that dub was related by destiny. Um,
1: oh, brother! <laughs>
0: and yes, yeah, so they were cousins. Something in the anime in general is that there's a bit more ambiguity in the anime as to when they actually decide we are a couple, like, because there's a lot of like, not one-sidedness, but like, like, you know, Michinu is very much like kind of trying to reach out to, to Haruka and it's not always like reciprocated. There's a bit more distance between them. And I think by the time we get certain, like, it's kind of, to me, it feels I'm definitely someone who thinks they were kind of, more explicitly like we are a couple earlier on but i've seen some people interpret it as they may- maybe don't fully express their feelings until around this final episode that the years mm-hmm. in that's where it becomes even more it comes very obvious between them that there's um, something very romantic there whereas in the manga they're introduced in there like very confidently a couple um it's a lot it's there's no ambiguity there Whereas I, I, some people read into a bit more, like it's harder to tell. They were obviously gay for each other the whole time, but it's harder to tell when they entered into a relationship together. And when they come back in a later season, it's like, there's absolutely no uh, ambiguity. Like they're they're making jokes about like having sex and like um, <laughs> stuff like that. So uh, yeah. yeah, it's in the original dub they had, they were like, they're cousins. And then the new dub, it's, it, I watched the new dub when I rewatched it. Cause I was like curious, it's, it's very good. And it's very, very obvious. Um, They don't, you know, they really course corrected with the new one. I can't remember who did the new one, but they did a good job. Good.
1: That's so lesbian to be like, oh, they were like fully like in like a luxury apartment living together, but they weren't a couple yet. (laughs) Like I
0: kind of believe it. Yeah. (laughs) I could go. I definitely like, I've never been, I've definitely read them more as like the whole time we see them in the anime. They are in a couple, but maybe not. They're kind of like downplaying it when they're meeting the inner guardians. But there's lots of interpretations because it is not explicitly stated really that they, they do not say this is my girlfriend. This is, you know, mm-hmm. we are in a committed yes. relationship together. They're just destined partners.
1: <laughs> yeah. Just girl, just girl friends, you know? <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> and another uh, funny difference between the manga and the anime is in the manga, they take helicopters to school. Like they're like,
1: mm-hmm. we get one
0: helicopter in this episode, but I need you to know that that, that so is so like, fierce they like own their each own they take separate helicopters to school.
1: I just like assumed that was like an ism like okay <laughs> no. yeah there's just a helicopter here now that's fine.
0: <laughs> I think their helicopters have names in the manga. I can't I know Michiru's for sure has a name but I can't remember what it is.
1: I wonder. Okay, so like to bring in I guess if you're listening to this as someone who hasn't listened to our like Utuna coverage at all, welcome um but i'm about to talk about stuff that we talked about there which is i'm fairly certain correct me if i'm wrong that a lot of ideas for utena specifically i'm thinking of the castle in the sky and the flying horses were originally meant for uranus and neptune i wonder if helicopter equals flying horse maybe is the idea going on there <laughs>
0: <laughs> i love the way you're thinking i think like i think just helicopter cool <laughs> Might be yeah. the helicopter just, equal school.
1: <laughs> I like the idea of that. Like they okay, so like flying horses is a little much. We're just gonna make them helicopters now. <laughs> okay, but yeah, I feel like uh, this first episode uh, is a great tone setter in a lot of ways, and I feel like um, unlike the other two, which feel obvious, especially the second one, obviously are talking a lot about like this very specific relationship that Michiru and Haruka have. I feel like this first one. Um, obviously is introducing these characters but it feels like i don't like to use the word trope but it feels like it's more in the zone of like shoujo manga capital s capital m like oh let's introduce this uh like bishonen is the, the wrong word obviously but i and i've seen like I, in my research i saw the tv tropes page be phone in which is i don't really think that's a good word to use to describe this basically like a a woman who is introduced and is androgynous and is mistaken and like for a boy by female characters who are attracted to them only to realize that it like that they are a woman which is like something that has existed in not just like manga but also like just japanese writing for a long time i was doing a lot of research into it and i came across this genre like that predated yuri called funnily enough class s which was used to write about romantic friendships whatever that means between young girls um Mm. so that feels like a very intentional part or intentional on ikuhara's part or whoever named this season sailor moon s to call it that
0: (laughs) wait that's what's that's so true
1: i wonder if people i'm like I'm sorry if people who've like talked about Sailor Moon before, if I'm like retreading known territory, but that was something I thought was really interesting. I I assume people have picked up on that before. Yeah, so that's uh, that's how I feel this first episode that we are going to talk about is sort of delving into more tropey ideas than the second do to do.
0: (laughs) So I feel like I should talk a bit about uh, Naoko Takuchi, who created Sailor Moon and, and wrote the manga. Her inspirations for uh, Uranus and Neptune, and I don't—I wasn't able to find the exact quote. I mean, it was in the manga, like in the like at the end, where like Takuchi would like do little doodles of herself talking about the series, and she talked about Sailor Uranus and Neptune. And I—I I know part of the inspiration was seeing uh, two people in a fashion magazine, and I believe one of them was a butch model. Um, but more specifically, the original conception of these characters—they were supposed to be Takarazaka Review actors. They were like mm. that was going to be their like their day jobs. Was like uh, Haruka and Michiru were going to be actresses in the Takarazaka Review, and that was dropped. They they decided she decided to just have them. You know that wasn't part of had she decided to have. Michiru be a violinist and, and Haruka be a race, race car driver. But obviously that still informs kind of a lot what we're seeing with the like gender of it all with Haruka. And so in, in we, as we talked about when more Utina stuff, Takara's like a review is also very important to understanding yes. where Utina came out of. So that, that's a fun like, little crossover. Obviously that was, we decided not to go that way. Um, but knowing that that was the origin of those characters makes a lot of sense.
1: Yes, I found the term um, otokoyaku, which is the um, specifically the term used to talk about the male roles that were played by women in the uh takarazuka review um, shows. Um, so I think obviously I always
0: mispronounce that. I, I know. Always I'm flip around so that. sorry.
1: Uh, once again to any new listeners, we are not fluent Japanese speakers at all. We try our darndest, and we are really sorry that we're not better at it. But I obviously that's where Haruka is like drawing from that sort of lineage of this known sort of phenomenon of young specifically young women who are attracted to these male characters as played by women. but we don't have to get into a whole sociological talk about Japanese views on like gender and lesbianism, um essentially what i it's my understanding that. A lot of same-sex attraction, especially between girls, is treated as a sort of like adolescent phase. So I guess for anyone unaware of this concept, this is kind of, uh, I guess, a norm for Japan. But I feel like we can talk a lot more about how this, about how Uranus and Neptune's relationship, I feel like transcends that a lot in a lot of ways. Um, It doesn't feel like the show trying to, I guess, titillate us or... I don't know, try to just be like, oh, he, he, isn't it cute that they like, like each other. But fortunately, they're going to fall in love with men and have children later, you know. So, yeah, <laughs> shall we, I guess, delve more into this first episode? Obviously, I feel like this is the lightest of the three. <laughs>
0: Certainly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is so this episode I remember watching super vividly as a kid. I it's the one out of the three I really remember. Like seeing and loving, and yeah, it's it's a pretty like lighthearted episode. A lot of the Sailor Moon monsters of the weeks are pretty lighthearted, uh, but this whole season has this like undercurrent of like a bit more like stakes. This is why I think this is the best season of the show because of, like the actual like there's actually like real like moral stakes here because like obviously people are always put in danger, and Sailor Moon and the Sailor Guardians have to save the day. Uh, but now there's this underlying threat of okay, but if they have a pure heart, they're gonna die. Like mm-hmm. essentially. And and so I love this season and, and this episode is one where, you know, it's it's quite fun. The setup is just uh, you know, uh Minako and Usagi going to the arcade, you know, <laughs> boy crazy stuff. But they're unaware that uh, that is Uranus and Neptune who are working not against them, but are willing to do things that the Sailor Guardians, the Inner Guardians would never be willing to do. And so this tension between the lightheartedness of the Moon in general, and, like, that, like, very clear view of morality with, and then they're now f- slowly beginning to encounter this more complicated uh, view of morality.
1: Yes, I mean, that's kind of perfect that these characters are sort of representing an idea that is encroaching in on the, like, the story itself. They are complication, they are higher stakes, like, personified within the story and these like young they're still middle schoolers right most of them
0: yes they're all middle schoolers except uh you're in a and of course right tuxedo mask
1: <laughs> yes oh god um anyway <laughs> yes so it's like these middle school girls sort of grappling or like a, they don't even try to grapple with a lot of at least in this episode they sort of like realize oh there's like something more complicated than maybe my middle school brain can handle right now and i'm just gonna like back away from that like oh i was attracted to a woman for the past like 48 hours haha that was funny (laughs) anyway like i mean it feels very true to life like oh yeah we'll get into i feel like the second episode also delves a lot into ideas of like closetedness and sort of like accepting like Coming out mm. to yourself in a lot of ways. Um, but in this episode, it's obviously a little more comedic. You have a lot of lines of like, I think those two are in a relationship. Are they lovers? Us? Lovers? Who us? Like, there's a lot of that <laughs> sort of comedy of errors going on. Um, and obviously, we end on kind of a jokey ending. But yeah, like you said, I feel like the pure heart stuff going on here is like a lot more harrowing than I remember. Like in the first season, um, people would be imperiled. But it was never like, oh my God, this person just like essentially got like murdered in front of these like girls' eyes. Yes. <laughs> like and they like they treat it with that weight. They react like, oh my God, this person just got like their entire like soul ripped from their body. Um, and now I have to beat up a car woman to save this person's <laughs> life. Which hello, talk about the Utina of it all. What a great yes, way to start I'm out. I'm a
0: car now too.
1: Yes, I mean I'm. I love the. It reminded me of SpongeBob <laughs> when her <laughs> like windshield comes down and you get the little like cleavage moment. Very in that episode when SpongeBob like you, he opens his trunk and you get a little ass <laughs> cleavage. I but cheeks. They're having a conversation. These two pieces, you know.
0: Yeah, SpongeBob <laughs> and it's and. So the moon are are constantly in conversation. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um. But yes, yeah, so the um obviously the goofiness of that design. Hmm. It still doesn't take away from how scary the situation is.
0: Yeah. No. And it's even like it's like there's like a handkerchief episode. There's a puzzle in a cat puzzle. Um. Like it's there's a lot going on. Um. <laughs> but. Camp, uh, It's again, and with I love the witches five. We'll talk. We'll talk more about the witches five in the last one because of Udiel and the foosball table, and they're these these are my favorite. (laughs) This is my favorite group of uh, Utina villains, and it's so to have still this like very like goofy collection of villains. I mean, you haven't seen the whole season, but it's like they we go one by one. (laughs) Like they keep, you know, the first one, and this is the only episode we see Kyola Knight, and then the next in the. One where they Uranus and Neptune die for a bit, uh that's uh Udiol, who's my favorite, and then after that we'll meet another iconic one if you were to keep continue watching. Yes, yeah, just like r- the the fact that the villains are still very funny while this horrific thing is happening is is, is is very fun. And um what was I gonna say? I'm gonna cut that out. You can just keep
1: talking. <laughs> okay. I mean Yeah, like I said, I feel like this episode I feel like I had less to say about it because Mm -hmm. it is more drawing on these ideas of like, Oh, mistaking a woman for man and finding her attractive. I wish I'm sure there is more writing out there that people have done about obviously characters like Oscar from Rosa Versailles. Like this is not like a new idea, but I think what makes this specific pairing stand out for a lot of people Beyond just like obviously being a part of people's childhoods. It's also just I think the way it's treated, especially in these last two episodes, is like a relationship between two fully formed characters. I understand completely why it's so special to people and why we still want to talk about it to this day. So this was a great introductory episode, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, what I love about this ending, I'm like obviously it ends on like a joke, but it's it's... It's not like in haha, but ha, it's weird that Haruka presents this way. It's more just yeah. like, more like the comedy of errors of like the mistaken identity. And, and yeah. I love, Haruka and Michiru are playful. I mean, they're very serious. Um, and sometimes like Haruka in particular can be very mean to the inner guardians um, and Michiru can be very cold. Uh, but it's with each other, even when something very bad is happening, they're very playful. And I love Hanukkah's playful response of like, I don't remember telling anybody that I was a boy <laughs> because it's it's like the joke's not on Haruka, The joke's kind of on um, on the inner guarding. It's not from being attracted to Hanukkah, but just this mistaken identity. And so uh-huh. obviously I'm sure pe- some people would watch this and laugh at it instead of like, you know laugh at it in in a mean way you know that's yeah. you know we can't control how people will respond to something like this but it, it's the the actual way it plays out itself doesn't play out as like haha look at this butch woman
1: yes i agree it's like no, no point are Michiru and haruka the joke or at no point are we supposed to i think like judge their relationship at all mm-hmm. i think it's more of a funny i i don't know it's like the gay panic that happens for usagi and uh, minako is like funny but it's like they're still like blushing when they talk about it so it's like clearly like they still are attracted to haruka mm-hmm. they just don't want to admit it um and i think yeah it doesn't come from a mean-spirited place maybe it comes from a, a more cliche tropey place but i don't think it's like harmful in my opinion uh, people are free to disagree with that um Obviously, we can always, you know, strive for more, for uh, better representation, and we can always sort of examine representation when we see it. But to me, it tracked well, and I liked it, and I didn't have a problem with it.
0: Yeah, before we close out, because I guess I don't think we have like big brain thoughts about this episode, because it's just quite fun.
1: Yeah. But to kind of (laughs)
0: close out, since we're talking about uh, the gender of it all, you know, Derek, you have not read the manga, but... who've read the manga um, and seen the show will be aware that Haruka was actually... So in the manga, Haruka presents like this and and is very often dressed very mask, um, but also not all the time. Haruka is uh, like sometimes wears something a little more feminine, wears like maybe wears makeup, wears like a little pearly necklace. And there's a part in the manga where Michiru... So the, actually the say the guardians in the manga, if I remember correctly, are under the impression Haruka is a man for a lot longer. And when it's revealed, Michiko actually says like Haruka is both male and female. Mm-hmm. is both like man and woman. I don't know what the original, like what in Japanese, what she says, um, but that is how it's uh, translated. And so it's implied in the manga. There's a lot of writing about this. If you, you just look up like Sailor Uranus, Haruka, like, gender. There's so much writing about it. Like, okay, Haruka, like, non-binary, you know, gender fluid, whatever. There's so much. And in the manga, Haruka... So in the anime, Haruka uses Boku. Um, but in the manga, mm-hmm. goes goes back and forth between Watashi and Ore. Okay. And so it's interesting that that was removed. That that was... They kind of... I don't want to say simplified it, but like it, it's a lot more complicated in the manga and, and a lot yeah. less clear. Like, you know, how Haruka identifies and how, you know, Haruka, like in in if you watch the Sailor Moon Crystal, they, they, it's, it, you see this more of like how Haruka isn't always butch. For me, it means a lot that Haruka was super butch because it was in the, in the anime because me as a kid to see like a very young, be very young and see like a young, cool, desirable butch. I didn't have the words to express it then, but it was super cool. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting that they um, just went to make Haruka more mas- like more masculine all the time, and remove a little more of that nuance. I don't have much to say about it other than I'm happy with the Haruka and in, in, in the anime we got because it meant a lot to me. But I understand there's a, there's a lot of discourse about it.
1: Yes, yeah, I feel I've, if uh, if we don't touch on stuff that. um Maybe relates more to yeah the like gender like like the idea of like bi gender gender fluid non binary readings of Haruka like intersex like all that stuff like that's not intentional on our part we're not trying to like pretend like that doesn't exist I think that's uh, based on what you just said that seems like a very valid reading of Haruka's character but in the anime it's sort of presented like you said as Haruka is a butch woman um, yeah. at least in these three episodes and so that's what I'm going off of but. That sounds really interesting. I feel like that isn't I feel like it's kind of, I don't know. They sometimes try to draw inspiration. It seems from the, like the planets, like the Roman figure that the planet is named after for these characters. And so obviously Uranus, there's a whole story about like Uranus's genitalia that you can look up that it feels like maybe they're trying to bring in something in regards to that with that. I don't know. I would be very curious to hear how much Uranus is like as like a figure in mythology played into this like depiction of Harka's gender. I don't know. That's just very interesting to me. Hopefully people have more interesting thoughts than I do, or have more detailed thoughts on it, obviously with more informed opinions, because like you said, I haven't read the manga before. Seems cool. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> My one Great last episode. note on that is I've seen some, it takes about like, um, the fact that they make Haruka more butch in the anime, and I've seen people respond to that like, oh, they just made them more heteronormative by making Haruka oh, more no.
1: butch. Oh, no. No. The handmaiden <laughs> like, of it all. <laughs> are like, you aware no. of
0: the. <laughs> Is there discourse?
1: Like, have you, wait, are you aware of the Korasami discourse?
0: Oh, no. <laughs> and, oh, I am wow. okay. free from that
1: oh jesus okay well to bring in uh better jurors which you haven't discussed yet on there but when korasami became real there was a lot of discourse about how it was actually more heteronormative than the straight alternative which would be mako and kora because kora and asami and i quote have a handmaiden slash oh i forget what they refer to kora as but essentially like dancing around the idea of like Oh, Kora's a more masculine character, and Asami's a much more feminine character, so that makes it more heteronormative than Mako, who's apparently less masculine than Kora. <laughs> and if Kora were to, I don't know, but people can look up the handmaiden uh, of it all when it comes to Kora Asami. But that's that seems very silly to me. I understand maybe if you're you wish that you could get like you said that more complicated exploration of gender with. Uh, uranus in the anime but i don't think it's a downgrade in any way i think it's just a different interpretation of the character
0: yeah this is to say i welcome all sailor uranus takes uh, almost all of them (laughs) except that one
1: (laughs) except that she is actually uh damaging to homosexuality yeah Uh, because
0: bitches are basically stand-ins for men and that's very bad oh
1: my god (laughs) that's ridiculous yeah that's I think, uh, a good wrap on that episode, which was very cute, a Mm -hmm. a good intro. um, Fun villain. Let's get into I have a lot of thoughts on this second one. (laughs) Yes, yes,
0: this is is the one, so let's get into it. So this next one is The Bond of Destiny Uranus' Distant Past, written by Yoshida Kido, directed by Takuya Igarashi, who has no connection to Utena, Uh, but yeah, written by our boy. So, as I mentioned, yeah, there's no backstory between these two in the manga, and I think their relationship is well i'll have more to say about this as we wrap up this episode discussion i think their relationship benefits a lot from this episode especially michu who in the manga i find very i mean there's a lot of problems with characterization um both in the anime and the manga like the anime like really shafts sailor venus a lot she doesn't like really get much of a character Mm -hmm. and in the manga i find sailor neptune to be a little thin uh, as a character, and so I love, 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 love this episode because it. She is so interesting.
1: Yes, I. That surprises me honestly. That 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 Neptune's character is like I guess less fleshed out, um, in the manga because I feel like, yeah, there's so much going. I mean, still waters, hidden depths, all that good shit. I feel like makes a lot of sense for her character she seems very quiet like you said and obviously like that first episode it's much more about haruka than it is about michiru but yeah i loved a lot of what she did in this episode i love what she sort of represents for haruka which is a lot of scary stuff (laughs) i mentioned the idea before of this idea of um coming out to yourself Um, And I think Haruka struggles with that in a very specific moment here. And I think this entire episode is about her like coming out to herself and coming out maybe to Michiru as well. Um, But I think I texted you about this before we recorded. But um, there's this line about like the life of a soldier that this idea of like if I become someone who fights monsters, um, my life will be forever changed. Um, and I don't know whether it will be changed in a good way or a bad mm-hmm. way, but everything will be different. And that's something that Haruka is like clearly scared of. And then as we learn later, Michiru is also kind of scared of it, of her to, but also excited. I mean, that's I think where the really fun stuff with Michiru comes in. She wants Haruka to join her, but she understands that it like Haruka's life will change and probably in a bad way if she does, but she wants her to be closer to her. It's just such a really subtle, amazing exploration of what it feels like to be a young person attracted to people of the same gender. And like, what the fuck do you do with that? And like, uh, just the question of, am I going to be okay after this? After I say yes to this, like living like this and living in this truth, and will I, everything be okay? And I think it says, yes, things will be scary, but they will be okay because you have someone there with you who is in it with you.
0: Yeah. I love like how Mituru admits to her um, after the, you know, the saving her from after saving um, Haruka from the, the daemon. You know, she admits like, it wasn't just the visions. Like I was watching you before I even knew you were a guardian. And then once I knew who you were, it like gave me hope. I don't remember exactly what she says, but like, it's, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's, it's that idea of like seeing someone and des- and desiring them, and then realizing they are also like you, and it it gives you hope, but it's also really scary. And 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 so it when you know it's a you can, it's a very obvious even like super, even further queer reading of the text beyond just them being a couple, but in terms of like how we're uh, characterizing uh, this transformation into a guardian.
1: Yes, I, like you said, it's like, Michiru probably thought it was safe. I I, I just, it's like fun to think about what was Michiru thinking. She probably was like, probably had more fun not knowing that Haruka was a guardian. She, Cause it was probably safer to just be like, oh, this person seem ni- seems nice too bad. I'm gonna have to like die to save the world. Like it was maybe lower stakes for her when she, before she realized that. And it's just fun to see that, struggle play out in this obviously we're skipping ahead to like the literal climax of the episode, but to see it play out in that moment when Uranus is about to grab her little what's the, I want to call it a light stick as a K-pop person, but I don't know what they call. What are I can't remember.
0: It's a something stick.
1: Okay. But I, I loved, I also loved that from like a meta standpoint of like, Oh, the transformation sequence is about to happen. And then it like literally like clanks to the floor I loved everything about like this uh, visual telling of this whole story. Um, but yeah, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves. I, I, this mm. episode just made me very excited. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, I don't know if there's much to talk about the inner guardians with this episode. They're really just like a setup. So we yeah, can know this story, <laughs> like they're know, like, it's... we'll go hang out with this track and field star because we need to get to the, the Uranus backstory.
1: Who they are also are attracted to these girls my god like what no Derek you have
0: no idea all these bitches are gay like all of them Sailor Moon and Sailor Mars have a lot of subtext oh my god that is honestly veering more towards text in fact in the last season Sailor Neptune makes a joke to Sailor Mars being like you guys are gay as hell about Sailor Moon in the manga Usagi actually in and 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 Haruka kiss. I mean, it's more like haruka's trying to like scare her away by like being mm-hmm. like like freaking her out. Usagi has another f- kind of weird fling with a with a butch butch person. So there's like oh yeah, these is
1: gay. This is a pattern of behavior, Usagi. At this point, oh <laughs> my god, is no, okay, she gay? She, yeah but i just thought that was so funny that like oh anyway forget about those lesbians we're gonna go over and hang out with this other woman that we're super <laughs> attracted to i loved the structure of this episode though because it does seem to be like oh this is like a monster of the week episode uranus and neptune are just gonna pop in save the day and then leave mysteriously but no it's like the the action literally like comes to a halt and like pauses in time for us to have the real story of the episode which is how Michiru and Haruka met through this mutual friend. And you're saying none of this was in the manga at all? No, no. That's wild to me. Like, cuz this was really fantastically told. I it felt like very unique. I mean, I talked about how the first episode was a little tropey like cliché. This like nothing about this. I was like, "Oh, this is like a fully realized story going on here between these two characters." I loved that scene on the track. Like I said, where Michiru like shows up and is like, hi, I'm like very attracted to you. And Haruka like denies it pretty outright. She like, this is where the, like the, the gay of it all like starts bubbling up. This like, clearly Haruka is like instantly entranced by this girl, but has to like play it cool. I'm like, no, I'm not like you. I'm not like, mm-mm, fuck that lesbian shit. Like. I'm straight. So oh like, no, Yeah, but-
0: yeah. I will not model for you. Oh, that's pretty. I no. love the asking, like, will you model for me? Like, the Michiru's Riz is on point, but. Yes. Haruka's denying it. Riz denied.
1: To, to, oh my God. I have major, major, uh, like, himbo energy from Haruka <laughs> in this moment. Like, trying to play it cool, but just, like, comes off, like, a complete, like, loser. Like, what? You don't <laughs> want a sexy girl to draw you, really? Okay. <laughs> Well, I was going to say I love the, we get this shot of, at least it's like presented to us as like a sort of artistic shot of Haruka and this sort of as the wind, which is like Haruka's um, motivation presented to us as she wants to become the wind. Um, and so you see this image of her with like flowing, like sort of fabric around her that I assumed was just like, oh, like a visual representation of this. I loved the reveal at the end that it, that's the drawing that Michiru makes of uh, Haruka, and clearly Michiru sees Haruka as this, like, as the wind, as the version of herself that she wants to be. I, I thought that was like, really beautifully done.
0: I mean, yeah, that reminds me a lot. I think I might have even brought this up when we t- t- talked about Out of to um in the drawing scene, and like painting someone, like, naked, painting um, someone as they are. I mean, are drawing someone as they are. So I don't know if that was something that was being thought about. You know, Yuji Nakido did write this episode, and he did write uh, the Utina movie. So it is possible, but that's just one like a like fun little connection I think between these these two pairs we could read into.
1: Yes, definitely not the last Utina like connection we will find, especially oh, when no. we get to the third episode. <laughs> um, but yes, I I did pick up on that too. This idea of which is what scares. Uh, Harka both Harka and Utana, the idea of oh my god you're going to draw me as I am that's scary because i don't uh i think i know who i am and i'm scared for someone else to confirm that they also know what i am and it's beautiful that Harka and Michiru get to work through that together by the end of this episode but yeah uh any other thoughts about like sort of the meat of this episode
0: Oh, yes, I have a lot. So um, <laughs>
1: yes, um <laughs> a
0: lot of what I want to talk about, I mean, I love this added conflict to Michiru's character. I think that obviously we touched on the, you know, she had visions of Haruka, you know, she was already seeing her and like sought her out. I think this also like plays nicely if you're like coming into this with like really like stereotypical ideas about like butch and femme relationships of like probably viewing Haruka as the one who like sought out Michiru. I think it'd be very easy for a lot of people to make that assumption. It's uh, as, like Haruka being the more like, dominant run in the relationship in terms of like being the one to find her, ask her out and all that. No, Mitra, like really like hunts down Haruka <laughs> and like and like chases her. And I think that's something that might surprise people. That's why I get really frustrated when people talk about like how in the anime, they feel like it's hetero- more heteronormative or like I'm, you know, not, a- this is not like, I've seen some people say this. I'm not saying everyone says this, but I just want to point out that, th- that this episode I think does a lot to challenge that if you were thinking that way. Yes. And and, and um, you know, like Michiru is really the the brains behind the operation, and and and, and in terms of making this happen, um, both the relationship and the mission that they have. And I this adds just like so much conflict to Michiru's character. Obviously, like the romance of this of this whole situation, but she knows that by seeking Haruka out, she's dooming her to the same fate. Michiru is the sailor guardian one of the sailor guardian who most talks about like n- wanting no- a normal life or desiring a normal life. She's in this episode and you know, she talks about like wanting to be a violinist and how that's now something that she can't really consider as like a dream anymore. Cause she knows she has this other duty um, in the manga and, and, in, and not so much in the show. She has like a lot of desire to like be just a normal student and so that, there's that added conflict of like knowing that she's dooming Haruka to the same fate. You know, Haruka is, wants to be a race car driver. Well, you can't really focus on that when you're doing that. And then I want to talk a bit more about uh, Mich- what I read into a lot of Michiru's guilt in in this mm. season. So like, well, first there's something that's interesting about the way this plays out with Haruka picking up her Uranus stick, whatever we want to call it, you know, she doesn't pick it up after you know this talk about saving the world or anything. This all happens after Mitrius like breaks down and is like, "I'm afraid I'm going to kill someone." Like, I this is something I have to do. I don't want to do it. She admits all this stuff about having seen Hardika before she even knew who she was, and Mitrius says, "You know, I know you better than you know yourself," and that's the Ooh. point that Hardika chooses to be a Sailor Guardian. I mean it's not so much a choice it's still destiny. Um, but it's she she becomes a Sailor Guardian like because of Michiru and not because of like a desire to save the world. And I think Michiru is like keenly aware of that. I think we don't get this like verbalized. Like I think, but like we know Michiru is like one of the more perceptive characters. I mean Sailor Neptune gets like a lot of she's like always checking the vibes and always <laughs> reading the situation. And so I think she's keenly aware that like that's why Haruka made this choice. And, like, I, like, Michiru's constantly, like, telling Haruka, are you, like, are you sure? Like, in the first part of the season, like, are you prepared to do what we have to do? Like, are you prepared to, like, let someone die if necessary? And then over the course of the season, Haruka becomes a little more of the, like, hardliner on that. And I think I read into like, Michiru's kind of like, there's like a sadness to her in like a lot of the way whenever they talk about it. Like, Haruka's a lot more like business and Michiru's a little bit sadder. And you could read into that as like Michiru, like her morality or whatever. But I think it's more just like feeling guilt about having put Haruka in this position where she has to become so hard and so willing to do these things. And like, so I think like Haruka buys into it so strongly and aggressively because she's just like fo- following what Michiru told her to do. Whereas Michiru, like, feels guilt for having put her in that position. And and so that is why, I mean, we'll talk about it more in the next episode, like, Michiru's willing, she talks a big talk about their moral code and how they need to, like, let each other die. But she's the one who breaks that because she can't let Haruka die because it would be her fault. I'm not the first one to talk about this. I found some Tumblr posts where people also said this. <laughs> um, but I definitely read a lot of, like, guilt into, like, Michiru. As a result of what we see in this episode,
1: I absolutely under like yes, that makes a lot of sense to me. That tracks to me. I think as you're talking about that, a scene that just kept popping in my mind was the scene um, where they're on a cruise ship, just randomly. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know what their financial situation is. I mean, oh, they have helicopters. We know-
0: we know Michiru is like a very wealthy. She comes from like a okay. very wealthy family, but she's not close to her family. So we don't really know what the vibe there is, but yeah, Michiru's really rich and like Haruka gets rich by being with Michiru, I think.
1: Got it. Um, okay. So, but yeah, they're on this like a fancy cruise ship, but uh, there's that scene where they're in this sort of like stairwell. And there's a painting up that I, I it's like implied or stated that Michiru like painted that. Yeah, it's she did. It's showing the end of the world. And I you like Michu is talking about it like in a way that like you can almost she's almost saying like, yeah, like, I kind of had no choice. She seems very downtrodden, sort of like, yeah, like looking at this, how could you not make the decision I made? But I think she's still holding space for Haruka to make her own decision. She's like, I made this decision because I saw this horrific thing and I knew I had to stop it. And like you said, she has that guilt of like, I need you to help me do it, but I don't want you to because like here you are in your sexy ass suit and you are just living your life as the butchest butch whoever butched and I don't want (laughs) to fuck with that. I want you to do your Formula One racing (laughs) and I wanted to do my violin lessons, but I can't because look at how horrifying this image is, but it's not coming from, she's not like imploring her, uh, Like you said, like, we have to, like, if you don't do this, everyone will die. It's like that. She's just sort of leaving that to be like, yep, this is like kind of the situation. And like we said later on the episode, she even is like, don't do it. If you really aren't like, if you don't actually mean it, like, because if you do hold this, I think she's, if you grab this by your hands, that's like, that's it. Like it's over. You're a part of this world now with me. And I love uh, that as dark as this sounds, I love that connection of like saving the world, all this dark shit to this idea of like living in your truth as a queer person. Like, and Mm -hmm. we'll get into that in the third episode that we talk about. This is like a great like segue into that. I think as an episode, because we introduced this idea of like once you uh, enter this world and you like are living outwardly as like a queer person, the stakes get way higher. It's a lot scarier. And for both Haruka and Michiru, but I feel like more so for Haruka, that's like you become impure in that moment. You have entered this world and you are no longer morally good. You are like living in defiance of like everything society tells you to be. And that's just my lot in life. And I think it's very fitting that the next episode is in a literal church. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) yes yeah, yeah, so shall I, we I, get into it oh i'm very downed let's get into these girls are dead people these died be dead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> death of uranus and neptune so this is written. this is the most utina coded episode of the whole show written by Yoshida yeah. Kido. directed by kanahiko igahara my opinion one of the best episodes in the entire series it's funny the witches five okay they're so nanami coded
1: <laughs> literally <laughs> the Manet, you don't
0: you don't see Mamet, but Mamet is so Nanami-coded. She's the one who writes the... I don't know how it was translated and what you watched, but the note, Die, you station wagon snail woman.
1: Oh my god, it was something like... It was very... It was something more unhinged than that. It was like, the snail... <laughs> the woman with the snails, like, car will die. Something like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I just wanted to... I think, I mean, like, a lot of the again a lot of the Sailor Moon villains are pretty fun but this season in particular they are very silly and um, very Nanami coded
1: (laughs) I I, the snails and the locker note like it smacks of Utena I also kind of a tangent but I I, like I miss the way the 90s anime depicted like the like mad scientist vibes like I love how Mm -hmm. dark and I love the bubbling concoctions where did that go what happened bring it back it. bring it back of the mist, the mad scientist vibe <laughs> but i i just love the witches' five vibe that's what i honestly like that was what was really like selling me on like going back and finishing like starting up the season and watching it all the way through because i'm like that's my shit right there
0: yeah they're very good and the next girly who you have not met she's quite funny as well and udl who's the girlie in this episode she's my favorite of the witches' five and um Love her foosball table, a visionary. Yes. We'll talk about that in a minute, but I now's the time to bring up the biggest uh, anime-manga difference uh, for Harakan Michiru. In the manga, they uh, they know they have the talismans the whole time. Um, in the manga, they are not looking for the talismans. They are just looking for Sailor Saturn. So if this mm. if in the next arc of this season of the anime, it becomes more about Sailor Saturn uh, now that they've found the talismans. And so... They know they have them the whole time. It's just okay. We have to find Sailor Saturn. I love that they don't know they have them in the, in the anime because it adds like this again this moral weight to their role in the pure heart crystals and being they have to be willing. Any person in a given episode could have a, a pure heart crystal, and that person would have to die. So I really love that change, and it adds a lot of drama here. Of course,
1: mm-hmm. and it makes it's like to me that is wild that they knew that in the manga because i feel like that moment when haruka realizes that they like she has a pure heart is like a huge surprise to her because she can't fathom the idea of like someone who she she sees herself as someone who is like very utilitarian willing to like p- put people's lives at risk willing to let people straight up die in service of this greater goal she cannot fathom that she has a pure heart. She thinks she's like the most impure person on the planet because of this decision she made, and so that's a, such a powerful moment. I can't imagine how that plays in a world where I know I have a pure heart. That also seems weird to me. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, the, the the focus is just different in the manga. It's been a hot since the second since I read it, but it's it's less on if I'm mer- it's less on like who has the pure hearts. It's it's right. It's just a very different story. It's
1: yeah not to say that it's a completely different
0: storyline but it's very different yeah
1: right i'm not yeah i'm not no judgment to the manga or saying like the manga's a lesser like whatever i'm just saying like that moment to me in the anime was really powerful so like i i'm just like okay that must be a very different story like you said yeah
0: Yeah, like the anime butchers a lot of stuff. The next season of the anime is so bad, Um, butchers Mm -hmm. the the next arc. Um, Again, a lot of characterization is a little off in, or quite a bit off in the anime. Uh, But this is the season I would say the anime did fantastically and I think improved upon in a lot of ways. I love this arc in the manga, but I think it, yeah, these little changes to adding a bit more interiority to Haruken Michiru and having them play um, more not say a bigger role, but a, just a different role. I think adds a lot to the season and we get a question and what are we did get some questions from one of our listeners and one of the questions about the manga versus anime. And I'll have more to say about that once we get there.
1: Perfect. Yeah. So the, the setup for this episode, which I loved all the moody shots in the apartment by the pool. So good. I just love, I'm I always love-
0: hanging out like this.
1: Just like me and my girl best friend standing by the pool, just like staring down at each other, like that's just the vibe. I love this so much. I love a, I don't know. I feel like Ikuhara loves a tableau. Let's just like pose dramatically together. Oh, like I love that. <laughs> but I and I loved. Oh my god! The like you were talking about funny. The gag of the like message, the phone message is so it's so good. funny. <laughs> that is really good. It's so Ikuhara. This like like w- beat. We take a beat to like let the phone ring even more between the messages. It's so good. <laughs> what else? Oh, and I'm sorry. I'm kind of flip flopping back and forth. But uh, on the subject of what's her name? I'm sorry. The main witch villain of the episode. Oh, Udiel in this episode. Yeah, Udiel. I love that. So I've been um watching a very formative anime um, from the seventies aim for the top uh, or aim for the ace, whatever you want to call it, which is like a tennis shoujo um, Mm. anime. Um, But there is a moment in that show as well, where someone in the locker room step puts their foot in um, their shoe and there's a thumbtack in it. I feel like that's a very clear reference there. This idea of like jealousy in the girl's locker room. How dare she be better than me? I love that. Sorry. Yes, that was a little tangent of mine, but just loved so much about just the visual and the like sound design of this episode.
0: Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's very good. No, that, that gag of the phone is one of, one of my favorite Sailor Moon gags. I think it makes me laugh every time. It's so but good. It's, then, of course, the backdrop of this like really critical scene between Haruka and Michiru of Haruka's guilt really comes out in this episode and she's looking at her own hands, kind of, you know, the obvious reading is blood on her hands. Obviously nothing has happened yet, but it is like that, like fear of like knowing that by accepting this duty, I am accepting the fact that I will maybe have to kill someone one day or at least let someone die. And, um, Michiru takes her hands. They like hold, they do a little like, like touching in different poses and says, (laughs) I it will be all right. I love your hands. And of course, there's this underlying guilt you can read into it of like Mithra being like, I have doomed you to this and I have made you feel this guilt and we are in mm-hmm. this together.
1: Yes. If you have blood on my hands, then that blood is also on my hands is sort of the what she's getting at there. It's like so freaking good and so unspoken. That's something mm-hmm. I've been like having a lot of struggle with, like with a lot of modern. I feel like a lot of modern stories just don't let you like intuit anything and you're not allowed to like guess at what the characters are thinking. Cause they kind of just tell you what they're thinking at any given moment. And I think this is a great example of the opposite of that, which is like the characters, the characters can lie to us. Characters can lie to each other. Characters can lie to themselves. I feel like the, this episode really uses that perfectly, which is like the character, like, and think about real life. How often do people actually genuinely say what they're thinking to each other? And like, very like, certain terms like i feel like yeah. you add on like we're in the 90s and these are a bunch of like adolescent girls like are really everyone's going to be like really upfront about their feelings all the time i i don't think uh, so this is yeah i just hmm, take me back
0: <laughs> there's this so so the this 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 moment happens and you know they it's it's undeniable i think this is a point where it's undeniable that they are if they're not already a couple, this is where it's Ooh. happening. Like if they were just kind of like dancing around it, it has to be here. I think most people would have, I've seen, you know, in terms of the different interpretations of when their relationship began, I think this is, at this point it's it's happening. I think this is kind of the point of no return.
1: Yeah. Can I ask? In terms is of the this, gayness. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously like the dialogue changes in the dub, did they like visually remove anything from the dub? I like. To I'm check trying this. to imagine a a cousin reading of holding hands by the window. You know.
0: Yes. Um. I I don't think if I remember correctly, and I can double do research and punch in something if I'm incorrect. Um, but if I remember correctly, they don't really change any of the visuals. It's just the okay. language that's changed. Interesting. I do not think because they only they stop dubbing. In the, in the original dub before yeah, they yeah. got to the last season which is where I don't know how they would have danced around that it, like they're like like they're so like Haruka and Michiru basically go on a road trip for a season and then they come back in the last season and they're like we love to talk about how horny we are like it's like <laughs> but in this I, if, I will check but I, if I remember correctly they don't make any visual changes
1: interesting okay I that's just sounds even funnier to me like just like platonically cousinly hand holding by the window. <laughs> my God. Well, they um, just like, so- would
0: add, they would add more like references. They would just like add like every other sentence would be like cousin, like cousin.
1: <laughs> oh my God. I can't. Like, <laughs> I, when true. I grew
0: up, I, I, I just thought they were like incestuous cousins. I, they did not work <laughs> for me. I It did not like hide anything from me.
1: No, they didn't get one past you. That's yeah okay but anyway yeah in this version we get this um uh, it's wild to me that you said that like they aren't like the main character because i feel like this whole episode is just about them like obviously usagi comes in she has a very pivotal role in the story but it just feels like it's about haruka and michiru here in this moment
0: I found sorry I found off the funny a funny like note about the the cousins thing oh, like God. sometimes even like the monsters of the week would refer to them as cousins when like they have no way of knowing that like and people would like automatically know that like oh you're in a cousins too before thinking everyone finds out everyone's identity. like who they <laughs> and so yeah oh. they'd be like oh yeah you're in are cousins. so it's just it's it's very I hate it's that, very so. silly they don't really they don't change anything they just add <laughs> cut Ad
1: that makes it incest Instead, oh my god uh, <laughs> yeah so we do get this they travel out to this um cathedral on the ocean you get a lot of Christian imagery which this is when the Utena of it all really is like revving up a, no pun intended and we get yeah the food is all of it all, which was so I love that that feels very Utena to me uh, (laughs) why foosball why are there little cupids shooting actual bullets at people (laughs) i don't know but i love it
0: and this leading up to the going to the the church when they like they assault usagi like i mean uranus like Mm -hmm. straight up like takes her crystal from her and like pushes her to the ground i wanted to point out there's a really really fucking funny comment in um a page on a page of the Sailor Moon Wiki where there's a oh. user who like wants an Uranus and Neptune I'm just going to read it it's Usagi is here too stripped off their Uranus and Neptune pens off for assaulting Usagi Haruka Tenno and Michiro Kayo, both arrested for assault Usagi, <gasps> these two will be charged for three years' sentence and a fine costing five hundred thousand yen. <laughs> so they like count up their crimes, and they do the same with Chibi Usa. Chibi Usa oh steals at what earlier in our in the previous season, Chibi Usa steals Usagi's crystal too. Chibi Usa and Sailor Moon episode seventy three. Chibi Usa can spend ten years in Tokyo Juvenile Detention Center for stealing Usagi's legendary silver crystal on her, bot and her bond. is five hundred thousand yen. <laughs>
1: Why? I'm, <laughs> Usa's crimes uh, no no limits. I feel like that's the least of them. Oh my yeah, God! Yeah, so this is I, this is
0: like incarcer. This there's a person who wants Haruka and Michiru incarcerated for this scene.
1: Damn! I what an internet hero! I'm obsessed with that. But I, yeah, this whole aquarium scene is like so intense. Like I don't think there's even any music. There's no like back and no. track at all during this. They're just like standing. I mean, this talk about. Utna, very like i don't know everything about this felt so ominous and like just staring at each other as the fish float by um and i love that like how it just like there's like a sort of snap where it's like okay no more formalities like you're not stopping us like this is happening and we're enemies now we have to be enemies because you're presenting yourself as our enemy but i do yeah i just everything about Usagi's relationship with them. I love, I'm if uh, there's another, like, oh, what am I trying to say? Like I want to watch the season because I also want to see Usagi's journey here with these characters, because obviously they present an alternative of like what it means to be a sailor scout. I feel like for the most part, mm-hmm. so being a sailor scout has been like, Oh, like we're here to beat up the bad guys and like save people. And like, that's the be all end all of it. And here come these two Characters who are like actually it's like a lot more complicated than that. And like, how does Usagi comprehend that? And I love that the answer is actually Usagi's like maybe more on the dot than uh Haruka and Michiru gave her credit for. Um mm-hmm. in that maybe it doesn't have to be that complicated. Maybe we can like keep our souls intact when we while we save the world. Um, I love that um sort of conclusion they come to by the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. but we'll get there
0: <laughs> yeah and before we get to the, our, our climax here this i believe this Aquarian scene is the first out of the three episodes we watched together this is the first time we see their both of their full transformation sequences Pierce. now derek do you know who worked on the animation of these
1: mm. they are Ooh, not credited it, it, i
0: don't believe i don't believe they're credited but
1: is it, it's someone i would know i think right yep uh, I'm gonna like guess because this was a name that came up a lot in Utna, Mamuro Hosoda? Or no?
0: No, Hideke Ano.
1: Oh my god! The Diva Doll. Yes. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> he
0: he I don't know, like I've seen different ways of people phrasing his involvement, but he certainly worked on these twos transformation sequences i don't know if he animated them all himself like if he was like the main guy um if he just gave some input but he is was involved in this uh these transformation sequences so my fun connection (laughs) i
1: i saw i think i wonder if i can't remember if like there was ever an answer to this question but i did see once a tweet that was like so we know kowaru is Hideki Ano's interpretation of Ikuhara. What who in Sailor Moon or Utuna was supposed to be Ikuhara's version of Ano? I don't know <laughs> if we have an answer to that. I feel like it's probably not a very flattering depiction. Whoever- Probably it is. not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that just makes me think of that. I love that those two were colleagues, and I love that Hideki Ano was clearly gay as fuck for Ikuhara, and I feel like Ikuhara did not return those feelings. <laughs> I love that though. That's a great, fun little fact. I had no idea. Yeah,
0: yeah. Again, I uh, it was uh, we know this. I think Ikehara like uh, mentioned this in an in interview, and yeah, he's credited as key animation for their transformation sequence. I don't know if someone knows animation terms exactly what that means, but he did that.
1: <laughs> he did that. Period. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are great transformation sequences. What else? What other notes do I have? I. What are your thoughts on the on their sailor scout uniforms? I've been watching a lot of Project Runway lately, so I'm like in <laughs> fashion fashion mode. So I'm like, I don't know Uranus's color scheme. There's work. It's I not giving. It's, it's not done. giving. No, it's a little drab, a little matronly, as they like to say on Runway. It's like <laughs> you aged her by thirty years. That is my thought on it.
0: Neptune yeah, serving. I'll,
1: Neptune is no notes. Love the teal hair. I love, I think her outfit, it's just like, no, no for Uranus. I'm sorry. She's kind of at the bottom of the ranking and the color scheme territory.
0: So they helicopter away
1: to the Marine
0: Cathedral, whatever that is. (laughs) And they talk about like, oh, we have to go to the Marine (laughs) Cathedral. It's like, what is that? (laughs) And before they go in, Neptune says to Uranus, like they're kind of like just barely holding hands. She says, we'll ignore whatever danger the other is in and continue on our own. And Uranus says, Do you really have to remind me? Neptune says, I suppose not. But then of course, Neptune is the one who breaks that. Uh, which again, Oof. I think you could read into not just her like love for Uranus, but this 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 guilt of like I cannot let her die. Mm-hmm. But they get it's so again so funny this like really What's about to be a very horrific scene is set up by a giant foosball table and so Udo pretending to play the organ, and it's on a boombox. <laughs> also, a really funny gag.
1: So, so like, like you said, Nanami coded like these. Yes, mm, I love it. I love a dedication to like, okay, this is what a villain should be doing. And she does not know how to play an organ, but damn it, I can press play on a boombox.
0: <laughs> and like so the good. setup of the Witches 5 is also really funny because they're like employees of this mad scientist. So that's why they're yeah. so competitive. Um, it's like trying to impress management. <laughs> and so they're they're just like, it, they're so funny. And, and when you read into that of like, they're all like, kind of just like do literally doing their job and like not a, like a you know, destiny way. We have to do this. Yeah. Like got to impress the boss. So she's like, no, the yeah. boss will really like if I play, pretend <laughs> to play the organ.
1: I know she stays, she has that, the, the grind set. She's uh, ready. She's going to impress. She's ready.
0: So of course, this is where um, we get the most Utina coded imagery. It's impossible to deny how much shared imagery there is between this sequence and the climax of Utina. We have where Neptune isn't captured. She is like kind of like crucified in a, you know, like in a similar way to how Anthe is in the climax uh, with the swords. Mm -hmm. And then we have, we have first Uranus running towards and stumbling towards Neptune, you know, like that's reminiscent of, uh, of Utna running towards Anthe's coffin and like stumbling and, 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 you know, but still making it, and then of course the same thing with Neptune. Neptune is running towards Uranus, like even as mm-hmm. she's being injured. And so there's just a lot of shared imagery here, like the the swords with Anthi and the red background looks really similar to what happens to uh, Miette here.
1: Yes, like straight up one to one. It's like, and it's so scary. Like every time those like little tablets like pop out with their bullet hole it's like oh you feel horrible like just watching it happen over and over and the
0: screams like it's so this is the children's show children <laughs> I mean and this is part of at least I think part of why they wrote meet you Michiru out of the next season so they're supposed to be in the next arc of the the show in the manga they are there um, but they send them off on a road trip because I it's I don't know if this is true there's a lot of like uh, false information out there about sailor moon there's a lot of uh <laughs> a lot of people just say repeating things that have been said so i'm not sure if this <laughs> is true but i've seen it at least speculated that the reason they were written out and the season focuses even more on chibi- the next season is like the chibi usa show it's because they wanted oh. to like, appeal it more to kids
1: so and saying. the outer <laughs> guardians
0: were like really inconvenient for that because <laughs> they're just like morality and like yeah. kind of moping and being we have to kill people and so I have to imagine uh that it I, I don't know again how much truth is there, but I would believe it.
1: That sounds about right, Damn, That's that's sad. That's upsetting. <laughs> no shade yeah. to usa but that, uh I like these two a lot more, at least based on what I've seen. They come
0: back in the last season and they're just the every single scene is like we gay. So
1: Period. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it seems to me they die here. Like that scene where Usagi shows up and like, oh my God. And like Uranus like straight up just like points the gun to her chest. (laughs) Yeah, that's like horrifying to see. But I mean, I love her exchange with Usagi. The like, when Usagi's like, no, we can like stop this without people having to get hurt. Like we can do this. And I love that. Haruka has that moment of like, oh, I actually like kind of believe you when you say that, um, doesn't stop her from using the thing on herself because like you said, she has this guilt here. And honestly, I feel like they're, they both her and Michu had this mindset of like in for a penny, in for a pound. Like we already have come to this point. This is the solution to the problem. And so if I have to die and then so be it. But, um, that's what makes Usagi a great character in my opinion is mm-hmm. that she's always willing to, look for the other solution.
0: She believes in the power of friendship.
1: (laughs) She does. And that's usually, she's usually right. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) And yeah, but but the moment of Michiru like breaking free and chasing after Haruka to try to save her. It's just, again, going back to her being like, okay, if one of us is in trouble, we can't, you know, we have to just let it happen. And so for Michiru to be the one who, you know, is saying, repeating that moral code all, all season, um, just to drop it when it really matters. I think says a lot about Mitr. She's sac- she's willing to sacrifice herself for her. Again, I think you read a, lot, read a lot into her guilt. And this is a great bonus episode. So in the next season, they are not present in the main storyline but they did release like a bonus episode of them on vacation because they just Uh go on a road trip they just go on vacation and and a pup and like a ventriloquist dummy is they have to deal with the ventriloquist dummy and it's uranus is in trouble and neptune is told that if she tries to save her that the world will end like she's she's told by the villain like in that episode like if you do this the world will end and she calls the bluff and saves uranus and then the oh. villain, and it was the guy, was, the villain was lying. And and the guy is like, why? That was so stupid. Why would you risk? Like, you had no idea that I was lying. Why would you risk that? And then she says, you must have been mistaken. A world without Haruka is hardly worth saving. Period. So, like, I think that episode is, I had never seen that episode growing up because it was a bonus episode. It's, not, it's never been dubbed. I think it's now been dubbed, but, like, at the time it wasn't dubbed. But I think it just, again, like, Michiru talks a big game about saving the world and, and this moral code, but really she's a lot more um, cutthroat than I think people would give her credit for if they read yes. her as just this kind of meek, sad little femme that's there. You, like she's you said, always they saving were... Haruka.
1: I mean, I mean, not to get into all of that, but it's like Haruka, big, big bottom energy. Like, <laughs> yes. It's, it's a little kooky.
0: <laughs> not to get into all that.
1: But like, come on. I mean, yes, it's so obvious. Michiru, like you said, the driving force, the pursuer, like it's just there. It's just there, folks. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. So yeah, they die. Guess they're dead forever. They
1: died. Damn. <laughs> they certainly Sonic won't be has-
0: revived in the next episode. <laughs> no,
1: nope. Scrappy-Doo found dead in Miami. That is, they're gone forever. <laughs> That's just happened. I know that is, uh, I was like, when I got to the end of it, I was like, why did Christine, what's wrong with you? There's nothing after this that they need to watch. Um, But I think this is a really um, powerful ending. I think it's, it made me want to keep watching and see the conclusion to the story. Um, But I can understand why you would want this to be sort of the capstone for this little mini arc here that we've sort of curated, Mm -hmm. which is about, self-sacrifice like they were always like you said they're always talking about like sacrificing other people but it's and that's why i think they have pure hearts because they were at the end of the day like they were bluffing (laughs) like yeah they uh, they can't help themselves they are good people who just want to like save everyone and if that means sacrificing themselves then they're willing to go there Mm
0: mm-hmm so shall we get into these two questions?
1: Let's do it. Yes.
0: From let me just double check the no one set one in since I checked, but I think this is the only one. Yes, it's the only one. So we actually got a question from at witches five the oh. witches five oh, the no. girlies uh, all of them. <laughs> um, no, so witches five uh, us two questions. So the first one, and we touched on this a bit, but we'll we can I can more talk. I can ex- expand on this more. Interested in y'all's thoughts on how differently Haruka and Michiru's relationship is in the 90s anime versus the manga, specifically in the yeah. S season, which is the one we're watching. The anime seems to double down a lot on Michiru's feelings for Haruka, which seem a lot more awfully one-sided at first. We know they aren't, but still. And hella pining-y, as opposed to how confidently <laughs> they are paired in the manga. So I really, really love their, the way that they are handled in the anime. There's like It's a very diverse, div- divisive topic among Sailor Moon fans like which portrayal do you prefer and the things I like in the manga and the things I like in the anime but I think personally overall I really like what the changes that were made for the anime I get what this are which is five is saying about um they're they're less presented as a confident couple in the anime it is um you're seeing again like Michido reaching out a lot more trying to kind of it can be read as Pining but I read it again more as guilt that is and that it, this is all elucidated when we see their backstory. You know then the manga is fun. their relationship is fun in the manga. I the thing I think is missing in the anime um, or it's just different. they took a different direction. in the manga they they have more relationships with the inner guardians. It's a little less um, antagonistic. Haruka is a lot meaner in the anime. I mean, they're and they're both a lot colder to the inner guardians. In in the in the manga, they are like kind of keeping a distance from them, but they have there's more interaction between all of them. And that was just a choice that was made in the anime, clearly, to have them be a little more antagonistic. And so, I think that's something that's lost is their relationships with other people are not as fleshed out, and like they're less of a like a unit, the inner and outer guardians. But for the, t- you know, the, what we do get is I think a much more like complex relationship between the two of them with a lot more like interior internal conflict. Um, I find that really appealing. Um, so personally, yeah, I, I think there's stuff to be desired in terms of how they fit into the whole guardians in general. Um, They're very kind of on their own Island, um, which I you know the outer guardians are supposed to kind of have different roles in the inner guardians, but it's a really exaggerated, the anime versus the manga and, but I prefer what we got personally in the anime in terms of the relationship between the two of them, because it's more interesting. I like that, that there's this like sadness and like <laughs> uh, conflict between them. I love the angst. Yes.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, obviously I can't speak from a manga reading standpoint here, but I, I can just say personally that I, like you said, all that stuff. Is like very appealing to me, this idea of there is this separation there, whether they want it there or not. Like they it creates an inherent conflict between these two groups that are supposed to be presumably like working towards the same goal. And I, I definitely understand where Witches Five is coming from and other like other people who maybe wish that the the anime depicted more of a friendship or more of a cohesion between the two, especially if like you read the manga first. And you're like missing that in the anime. Um, I definitely understand that. But like you said, just from like a, from a writing standpoint, I just think it's uh, so fascinating to see the a more distant relationship, especially because I feel like when you think it's like the inner senshi are they're younger, they are mostly middle school. I've, they're all middle schoolers, I think still at this point. Yeah. And then you've got the outer senshi who are at least these two. I know. Was that, I, is Pluto yes, the one Pluto, with the green hair yeah. that we saw? So it's like, she's, she's obviously little, older.
0: She's the oldest, yeah. She's supposed to be like 18 or 19, I think.
1: Right. So it's like, there is like an age gap there. And I just think when you think about like the mature, and especially like what the outer she have been through, not to diminish the fact that the inner she have all also died. <laughs> but like, it's, I, there is just like a disconnect there. And I find that really fascinating. But I'm, I would be curious, I'm also a big sucker. I'm not a cold person. I'm a big sucker for like a cutesy hangout, everyone's besties moment too. So I think there's room for both. And I'm <laughs> glad that we do have both, they exist in the world. Like you can have your version where they're closer and you can have your version where there's a more of an antagonistic relationship. Um, so yeah, those are my thoughts on it as someone who has never read the manga.
0: <laughs> Period. So our second question from which is 5 Ikahara has mentioned the proposed film of Harakana Michiru that was shelved but later helped inspire Utena. Really interested in what connections y'all see in these forest characterizations, their similarities and also glaring differences. Yeah. Also recurring motifs in the this any recurring motifs in the season that scream Ikahara was here because I can't not consume enough the aesthetics of Sailor Moon season three without screaming about the tiny nuances that later got to flourish when Utena became a thing. My first thought is Anthi and Michiru should hang out. I think I really <laughs> want to see these two have a conversation. And similarly, Utuna and Haruka. I I think the obvious connections are kind of like Utuna and Haruka, like kind of like himbo. Mm-hmm. Uh, joking, we're joking using the word himbo, but I don't want to say clueless. But like like the sage, like yeah. Anthe and, and Michiru seeing like the horrors of the world, and <laughs> um, and Utuna and Haruka being a bit more disconnected from that, and obviously Haruka is brought in on it. Uh, more explicitly and than, than and then utina is and quicker than utina is but i'd love to see yes. those all ha- them all hang i think they should all hang out
1: i think there's a great like even like the between the all of them there are like these really fascinating differences that make them feel very separate i think there is there would be that fear of like oh it's is auntie just michiru 2.0 is utina just haruka 2.0 and like you said there are surface level similarities but they feel so different like you said like i feel like utana would admire haruka and like have a sort of i think (laughs) utana would be very into haruka in the same way that minako and usagi were at the beginning like (laughs) she would be very enamored and I think Haruka would try to play it cool but I think also would kind of admire Utena I think that would be a really cool relationship there and I think Michiru and Auntie, they <laughs> what would they even what would conversations with them even be like I feel like honestly Michiru would be a little I think Anthe would like out quirk Michiru a little <laughs> like I think Michiru would even be like a little like oh my god <laughs> oh yeah no her- like
0: i think i think but i see I, the most connections between michiru and auntie just in terms of like kind of knowing knowing so many horrible things and
1: yes they're like it's like michiru and auntie are sort of like like you said out of this world and then haruka and Uta are the more of this world character mm-hmm. there. yeah
0: but yeah but beyond that i think they're very different characters like i i mm-hmm. Obviously, I think that they kind of filled the same placeholders in the original story idea. You know, the end of the world and the Pegasus and all that. Um, You know, but I think in the end, they're very obviously parts of very, very different stories. And as a result, are very, very different characters. But I think they should hang out. I think they would have a lot to say. Um, Yes. And then, yeah, we kind of touched on the things we've seen, the visuals we've seen in this episode, at least. Derek, were there any other little things you picked up?
1: Hmm. I, I mean, I did take a screenshot of a of a vertical car, but that was from the first episode. Yes. <laughs> very That's very Ikuhara, this idea of cars and vehicles. Um, he was kind of like a proto-Charlie XCX, when you think about it, like obsessed with cars. <laughs> uh, he would, I mean, we uh, get love... some rose
0: petals.
1: Yes, we get ro- rose petals. Like
0: quite a few. That's uh, something that's very much attached to how to get me to do? I've seen some Kurt people. I was just like reading online. There are people talking about like that they don't like the anime adaptation. They're like it feels like every time they're on screen, it's just like like freeze frame, watercolor painting, mm, and rose petals. But like, yes, so <laughs> like not exactly the same imagery we see in Utena, but I think it stands out at least to me that use of it.
1: I mean, it's very shoujo manga. Like, that is just a straight-up thing from, and like, shoujo anime. It's just like, oh my god, like, I'm so enamored with this woman, and I don't know why. Um, it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, so, but yeah, we already saw, like, the snails of it all, the locker message of it all. Yeah, Ikuhara was all over these two episodes that he directed. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, cool. Anything else to say before we wrap up? I hope you enjoyed your introduction to the Outer Guardians. Yes. You didn't get to this see was... Pluto much, but she is their, little...
1: their,
0: their third wheel. So if you do um, <laughs> watch this season, you'll get to see them all just hang out. It's quite funny.
1: Oh. Yeah, I, I mean, that was my conclusion. I was like, I really want to go through, watch this season. Yeah. What about you, Christina? Any other thoughts you want to get out about these two?
0: They make me fucking <laughs> feral. I love them so much. I should, I should have worn my Let's Go Lesbian shirt. I, I forgot to put that on. <laughs> no, these two make, mean a lot to me. They're very important to me as a young person and revisiting them as adults. I found a lot more like narrative and uh, richness in them than I ever did. And it was really fun to, when I did my rewatch to finally see the last season and see them develop even further. They're not as... I think they're more interesting in this season, uh, but they get some really funny stuff in the last season. So <laughs> it's been really fun to rediscover these characters as an adult and kind yeah, of dig into these moral questions and draw some interpretations of what I think might be going on interiorly in, in the interiority of these characters. Mm-hmm. So yeah, always a good time.
1: It is. I mean, I was over-analyze so... Overanalyze
0: yeah. anime lesbians. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, I feel like we're just like straight up analyzing. Like I feel like there's no over here. I mean, that's... <laughs> We've been talking a lot about Cora lately with Sam and I'm just like, I missed being able to like, actually, like I said, intuit what the characters are feeling and not just be told or just like see big rocks go boom. Um, <laughs> it's been a great, I'm, it's been fun to be back in the saddle of the Pegasus. Yes. <laughs> and this will not be the last year of us. For, hopefully we don't go another full year, but we, uh, we shall see. We both have, had busy busy times survivor 45 you can hear us talking about that coming soon yeah i guess we can just
0: do plugs yeah i mean bit bit
1: yes listen to us there um listen to our good friend the the jury correspondent herself audrey z white sides uh speedy ortiz new album rabbit rabbit is out and slayful and good um go listen to that um hopefully audrey will join us for a fun little project in the future soon
0: Yes. Listen to Christine
1: and Audrey talk about the hoots in the game.
0: <laughs> it's quite unhinged. And Audrey and I will be hanging out soon in person, which will be fun. We'll have to post Yay. a picture of the, the meetup. I have not seen her since 2019. So, Damn. Um, yeah, very excited about that. So keep keep your eyes on the feed for the the, the live photo <laughs> of, <laughs> of our the part of our Shadow Play Gaze family. Um, yes. And yeah, hopefully we'll be back very soon
1: yes um thank you all again so much for listening i hope you guys had a lot of fun returning to this little zone with us Mm -hmm. and have a good rest of your summer everyone bye
0: yes bye